you guys are early childhood. I still have one and my kids in eighth grade or just rising eight. So today we are going to um, work on what motivates your children, how to use that, and why that works. So this is a model. It, it's basically of the whole child. And you can see, oh, sorry, can't call it. Um, so uh, in the, below some of the boxes, I have time slots of where we discuss that. And so if you want to go back and look at the archived, your time slot three, we talk more about social emotional there in that slot. Um, time slot four, the one we just finished, um, acted the uh, um, phonetic awareness, that's everywhere. But I just tried to cross-index some of my sessions because they do really overlap in my mind. So we, the purple box there, we have the, the, the machine, the learning machine that is the child. The sensory integration, um, the sight, the sound, the taste, the smell, the touch, the five that you all know of, the three more, the tactile, uh, my tag, body, quit touching me, you know, hey, I don't this kind of stuff, the heebie-jeebie thing. That's the tactile body position, where, proprioceptive. Where is their body in space? Is their body at peace in three-dimensional space? If it is not, then they'll be the kid that's, you know, messing with everybody and grabbing all the backpacks and rubbing their hand down the side of the hallway and... <laughs> They're trying to get, uh, they're trying to ground themselves. They don't know where they are in three-dimensional space. So that's of what you hear there, uh, what you see of, those are some evidence-based clues of a kid with proprioceptive challenges. The blue one, balance vestibular. Um, so if a kid's going up and down the hallway one step at a time, like grandma, grandpa, you know, um, if a child, if a baby doesn't like, now I know what it means when my kid didn't like to be on a changing table, one of those pull down things and flailing around. I did not know it at the time. Now it's much too clear. Introception is the newest one, uh, several years that it's been coined. Um, and that's kind of body awareness. It's the child body aware to um uh hey shirley nice to see you again Hi. is the child um self-aware enough to realize uh oh i'm starting to feel bad um i need to uh we call that the antecedent right antecedent behavior um consequence so a child mindfulness version of, um, we would call it mindful. We would know we feel, feel bad. We would know to remove ourselves from a situation or to change our thoughts or redirect our inner thinking or our, where we are, get out, of the, get out of the sunshine if you think you're getting sunburned, that kind of stuff, right? So kids have a, their version of introception. So that's, methylation is a part of it which you have no control over how well the child is, uh, their immune system is working, if they're producing glutathione, if they're making neurotransmitters, that's really health, but it's also lucky genetic draw, luck of the genetic draw sometimes. I do have a lot of slides in the appendix toward that. And in the other presentations, you can go back to time slot four, and I've got even more about that there. 
Um, moving on, self-directed learning. I'm sure you guys have talked about that. The power of self-directed learning, even in elementary. Positive behavior redirects, self-regulation, the PBIS, right? Uh, we can probably remember, some of us can remember when nobody knew what PBIS was. <laughs> it was just good kids and bad kids. But we've come a long way in being sophisticated in understanding that. Um, metacognition, my little frogs down there, meta, me, cognition, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about my thinking. So that's the, the situation there with the frogs. Uh, intrinsic motivation. Um, how are, how is anybody motivated, right? Um, and we're going to really focus on that today. So the, the two choices, extrinsic, I'm bribing you, I'm threatening you. There's a cookie in it for you, kiddo. Uh, or just wait till your dad comes home or whatever kind of threat, right? This is coercion of any kind. This is you do it because you want to. Intrinsic motivation. This is you do it to build your character. You do this when no one else is looking. Um, what do they say? Uh, character is what you do when no one else is looking, right? This, if you fought, if you grow this in your classroom management, you're going to get to be able to go to the bathroom, right? Because you can say, you, or say nothing. You just step out, step back in. The kids are still working. It's how it should be. Social emotional learning. Uh, we're spending a lot more time talking about that the last five years. Really big part of learning. That social emotional learning is so important for building collaborative skills, for building workplace skills. They get to higher ed of any sort. They're going to have to work together, right? And even, uh, even at your level, I'm sure the kids are working together. And everybody's taking a hit, taking a noogie on that social emotional learning with all the shutdown, with everything going with with everything going to two-dimensional screens and all the learning going. I mean, we try our best, right? It's the second best, it's the best we can do at the time, but we have lost some of the nuances, the micro expressions, the the intuition of reading somebody else and being in their presence and the body language, they're moving backwards. What is that all about? Or what's that little tiny look on their face? What does that mean? Um, and sometimes it's so hard for our kids to pick up on all those cues. And we know this, right? We know that learning and behavior and sensory all overlap. Okay, so if we were together in the classroom, you would have um, one of these on your chairs. And um, the um, uh, what we're going to do right now is pretend that you're... Sorry, we have a kid at the door, and the dog's letting you all know how brave he is. All right, so you take apart your little kid, your, your, your baggie, you put it on your hand. Um, what I'm doing here is I'm messing up your sensory integration, okay? And you would find at one earplug. You would go in one ear. So I'm going to mess with your hearing. I'm messing with your tactile, your touch. You got some toothpicks. That's going to mess with the expressive language. Then I'm going to have a pile of these glasses over here. And I'm, and I'm going to say, okay, if you guys are wearing glasses, you uh, take them off and give them to your neighbor. 
and your neighbor's going to go, I don't want to wear your greasy old glasses. And I'm, I'm going to say then, well, that's how our kids feel when they have sensory integration issues. They are not at peace in their skin. And they, they feel like that all the time on everything. So you, but I'm going to change up your vision. And then I'm going to have, uh, I'm going to flip the lights on, off, on, off, on, off. And then I'm going to do a, oh, I'm going to take the Chinese finger puzzle. Sorry about that. That wasn't supposed to happen. Then I'm going to take this, and we're going to change up your midline crossover. I'm going to have you stick one finger of each a different, not matching. They need to be unmatching digits, right? So here's indexing little finger. I want to change your midline. I want to change how you see, how you talk, how you feel, how you hear your midline. I'm going to, the lights are going to go on, off, on, off, on, off. And then I'm going to do a terrible thing. I'm going to yell at you. I'm going to set the stage. I'm going to say, okay, pretend that this is the first day of the new school. You're riding the bus to school. You get to school, and um, there was it was a really it's a really it was a sad bus ride. There was nobody at the house to make um, a breakfast for you. You are not wearing clean clothes. You feel really bad about yourself. The uh, um, the kids all made fun of you because of how you smelled. You finally get to the classroom, and your little heart is is dragging on the floor. And you walk into the classroom, and the teacher starts yelling at you to put your backpack away, and na 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 all these things with the lights flickering on and everything going like that. And then I tell you all, all right, boys and girls, I want you to read this together. Now, I know you can't, forgive me my ugly face and ugly language there, but I know you got your, your mutes on, but just I want you to read this in your heart of heart and out loud if you want, together. Four children in every classroom see print display. They cannot control their eye movements at close distances, making reading and attention almost impossible. As the print blurs and moves, they stumble over words. They lose their place and they cannot comprehend. Out of desperation, they give up and quit. Is it any wonder that they struggle in school? And then I, 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 uh, I say, okay, y'all can take off your stuff if you want or leave it on and whoever keeps their stuff on as long as possible wins the prize. You know, the best dressed kid in the classroom. Um, and everybody takes it off, and then they, they talk for about two or three minutes, and then I pull back everybody's attention. Um, to just to give you a taste, so you'll have to pretend virtually that all that was happening to you. And that's how many of our kids walk around 24-7, okay? So let's talk about the brain and transporting messages. So we, we talked about the sensory integration already. Um, uh, with the vestibular, the proprioceptive, the tactile, the interoception, um, your brain processing. So you got your brain and your spinal column. That's your body's central processing nervous system, central CPU. Um, we, uh, I think we didn't get yet into sensory seeking, sensory averse. So uh, uh, briefly on that. And that's my kid, right? And so um, if you have children that are um, 
acting, uh, if they're fleeing the situation, you're averse, right? Or if they're in somebody's face messing with somebody all the time, that's it. But what if they're both? What if they can't make up their mind? What if they bounce back and forth, back and forth? So that's my kid. Galveston Bay, dark of night, nasty old water. He thinks it's funny. I wouldn't be sitting there. He's in that water there, um, sensory of, uh, seeking. Can't get enough of that. But that is the same kid in the red shirt that would not possibly bite that ice cream cone. And I had to just kind of shove it in there and force him to eat an ice cream cone. To this day, he's 13 years old. Ice cream cones are just not, not too, way too scary. Just make me, make me do all kinds of things, but don't make me eat that ice cream cone. I can't stand it. Okay, so neural synapses, uh, neurotransmitters, um, uh, glutathione, all of this gets into a, a bigger understanding. It's fascinating. There's lots of links here for your further study. If we want to get together sometime and talk about immune systems for two hours, methylation, myelination, helping the kids overcome trauma. Um, but you see all of the bad data transmission, be it chemical, be it electrical, is going to make the make the impulses of the child. It's going to make them uncomfortable in their own skin. It's going to get the answer to the brain out of sync with what you expect. It's going to get the reaction to the brain out of sync to what you consider to be appropriate. So you're going to see evidence of all of this stuff. You're going to see evidence of the, of the miswiring, of the misfiring. And you might think, oh, that's a purposeful thing. That kid's just, you know, trying to get my goat or something. It's probably none of that. And they're just, they're just trying to survive the day. So, um, again, a little bit more about sensory integration if you want it. Um, uh, this is intro to behavior. So what we have to understand the machine you're working up against, right? That link, uh, auditory transduction, how the ear works. You can go to learn more about trigeminal there. Try zone one, zone two, zone three, left and right. The thing that, that with the trigeminal, if that child has a lot of sensory averse stuff that's going on from the neck up, if they're on, don't touch my hair, I, I, um, I, I don't want to get a haircut. I, I hate to brush my teeth. Um, I, my mouth doesn't work. Um, when my kid would be lagging in speech and expressive speech and all the peers were looking at him like, what's the matter with you, John? He can't say anything. I tell him this. I say, okay, just stick your tongue out. Okay, love the tongue. Now, try to say something. And it's time to talk. I said, John's tongue with a popa. I say, John's tongue just doesn't work as well as yours does. Now, it's an oversimplification, I know, but it really went a long way toward letting the peers understand, oh, and how I explain sensory integration, uh, sensory averseness to kids, they pretty much get the idea of sensory seeking, or I, you know, give me more, do more, but the sensory averseness, I say, okay, John's just really, really, really shy all the time and they go oh okay so i tell him teach him he wants to learn this but he he almost died from fire ants twice and so his body's not making 
all the right chemicals yet to catch up to you. So he's still trying to catch up. And they go, oh, okay. So that's three simple ways how I explain to a, a small group or a large group developmental delay, lack of, lack of, lack of expressive speech, and um, sensory diverseness. If that helps you any. Okay, so it could also be that part of this behavior, the misbehavior that you're seeing here could be because of a sensory overload. Now, that doesn't mean that we're gonna let them get away with it because I parent very directly, strong-willed child, love and logic, hand over hand, and now I'm trying to fade all my prompts. So I know I'm using a lot of technical vocabulary and I bet y'all already know that. We're just trying to look right now at how they kind of fit together and then some ideas toward some tools for you in the classroom. So we all know that the eyes fit into learning. We all know how powerful the eyes are. 80 to 90% of the learning that goes into the brain. If the eyes are working, the brain's going to take the data, right? If the eyes are not working for whatever reason, and it could be prism glasses are needed, which just bend the light. It's kind of like horses and blinders, prism glasses. John wore that for a while. Um, it didn't really change. His eye acuity is fine and dandy, but, but just the light and the data coming in was too much. That's what prism glasses do. Um, but the other senses will compensate if they need to, right? Okay, so a bit about language and uh, receptive language. Okay, I got your words in my bucket here. Got them, got them. Okay, got your words, teacher. Got them, okay. Now, uh-oh, you want me to auditory process them? All right, so here's these words. I got to figure out in my mind what is it you want me to do and then do it. And you want that sentence. You ask me a question. So you want something out of me. And um, what, if I, what if I don't have, what if my language is lagging? Am I going to feel good about myself? Am I going to do anything to redirect you? Um, am I going to do anything to get out of something that as a child is impulsive and we already know that our kids don't have the dendrites for self-control, for executive functioning that we want them to grow into? Then what's a kid going to do? They're going to do what my John does, which is just try to wiggle out of the situation as soon as possible, walk away. Well, he might... He might think he can get away with it here during this COVID shutdown, but is not going to play well in the high school or the junior high school. So I cannot let him get away with that. So I have to parent with the same type of boundaries now. And I hope that all the other parents are using similar boundaries for their kids. So the kids don't get all wobbly in their boundaries and they come in and all of a sudden your job's four times harder. I sincerely hope that they're doing a better job than that. Um, we also know that the gross motor drives the fine motor, which drives the oral motor, all right? And so if any of those pieces of that continuum are boogered up, then the kid is gonna not feel good about him, him or herself. They're gonna try to escape the spotlight. They're gonna try to get out of the classroom or get out of the learning. They're gonna distract. They're gonna do, um, they're gonna turn into a weed. We're gonna talk about flowers and weeds here in a moment. 
So we, you know this already, you know the problems. We're trying to look at it in a slightly different way, a slightly better understanding. So I've already taken you through this, this whole thing, right? So you kind of got that as a, as a possible tool, which goes back to understanding. And if your child can, if the children can manage expressive language, um, you can say, yeah, I went to this class and this lady made us do these really weird things. Well, we pretended to do these really weird things and we had to stick toothpicks in our mouth and one ear plug. And, and so it kind of made me feel really weird. Do you guys ever feel really weird when you, you know, you're trying to learn and you're trying to sit still? And it might provoke a very nice conversation. And maybe it only provokes a nice conversation at the PTO or the PTA. But nonetheless, there you go. That's the data that's there. A vagus nervous system is another thing I would like to help us all understand more. So two slides with lots of links. So I'll just give you the short version. I, I say I show we got 30 minutes left. Okay. So it's kind of a cool thing of history. So the very first neurotransmitter, a neurobrain transmitter, make the brain work, chemicals that make the brain work, right? Make the, the dendrites good. So the dendrites have a physical pipe and then they got a gap. And then they got another physical pipe and then they got a gap. So that's the whole thing about the dendrites and the gap, the synapses, and they have to have the neurotransmitters to jump the gap or the, or the thought dies right there. The chemicals aren't going to go any further. So if you want to have all this data flowing in, flowing out, conversation, do what I tell you to do, behaviors you expect, you got to have the neurotransmitters working, okay? That's a whole nother thing. Now, not, not counting meds. I learned about them, but my younger one has not taken meds, meds, medication because it's too much too big and he can't explain what's going on. So we're doing what we call biomedical. So that's another conversation to have with parents perhaps when you are addressing the immune system that the kids have, um, helping them to methylate more in the index about all of that. You're just trying to help that, that purple box that we had, the learning machine of the child be more at peace and receptive and able to learn. Because if you've got some kid there with their vagus nervous system just going out of whack, you don't have joint attention. You may be the best presenter of your content in the world, and a, maybe every, all the learners that are sitting there nice and quietly are absorbing. But if you have a handful of kids that turn into a bigger handful of kids, that they're just vibrating, they are not absorbing, then it's not because you're not brilliant. You are brilliant. They are just dealing with a physiology that's fighting them. And so we're going to talk about that just a little bit too. If you can understand what is TBRI, trust-based relational intervention, what is the need behind the behavior? So you got a wacky behavior. What is the need? That is a thinking machine, even though it's covered with goo. I get that. But there's a thinking machine underneath in that kid. And so, and a purposeful life in that kid. So how do we figure out better communication with that child back and forth? Help their frustration level, help our understanding of their frustration level, 
trigger intrinsic motivation, trigger resilience, all these wonderful phrases and concepts, right? Okay, so back to neurotransmitters. Um, back in 1921, this um, a German guy uh, decided that uh, he was the one, I guess, that they discovered the vagus nervous system is uh, um, responsible for producing one of the very first neurotransmitters ever identified by scientists. Pretty cool. And uh, he coined the, the, the substance Vagostoff. I guess, I don't know what that means. Uh, my Uncle Joe in German, I'm not sure. My family name in German. Um, and uh, so anyway, that's, that, that link there will take you to some more information. Inflammation is another really important thing, which you have no control over with your kids. It is how they're genetically wired. It is how well they sleep, how well they um, move, how much sunshine and movement they get. Um, what is their diet? Those are things really out, mostly outside of your control. But inflammation is a real, um, a really bad actor for all of us, right? As, as we age, inflammation messes with us in, in all parts of our body. And inflammation messes with kids and their learning too. So the vagus nervous system is a way, is a really good tool to help our kids calm down the inflammation, calm down the stress. If that vagus nervous system is, is vibrating, they're not going to be able to hear you. They won't be in a teachable moment. They won't be in a calm state. I think that's the next slide to show. So on the right-hand side here, um, here's a, a good exercise that I hear from lots of different people. The reason I have the pinwheel is this is a way that you can generalize it into the classroom. If you don't want to get into a long conversation about the power of the breath, right? Um, the, the exhaling of the breath, really get all that out, then your body pulls in the deep breathing, right? And then you actually get air this down in your diaphragm and your stomach and your belly instead of the really shallow breathing. Uh, this comes from nervousness and that just accentuates anxiety when they say breathe they mean like i mean like the deep breaths right and so one way you can generalize that into your classroom you say okay kids for for rainy day pe today we are going to make pinwheels and the concept there when they blow it as hard as they can they're emptying out all their lungs. And then they can, if you want to do a count, it's nine out. Exhale to nine. Hold. And then inhale to four. Hold. And then, um, so you're doing uh, like twice as long out as you are in with stops in between. Short version of the story. Click there and it'll take you to more information about why the breath system is so important to help toward inflammation, to help toward breathing and calming the anxietiness and your latest nervous system. Okay. Um, here's some links that will take you to how kids could make pinwheels. 
and they can feel empowered to try to help. And maybe it's a desk, maybe it's a personal intervention that each kid could have. They get to be really anxious and the fidgets are all used up somewhere or they make it at home and they have a chance to practice their breathing. This stuff comes from occupational therapists and nurses. I collected some pinwheels and some uh, links for you and some ways that maybe kids could do this kind of thing at home to help with bringing the ceiling down a little bit, bringing the stress of the family, bringing the stress of anything down, control the breathing. You guys know that, right, from mindfulness. All right, so back to the, the basic information about the vagus nervous system is that if it's not calm, you don't have any learning. You don't have any absorption. It's really vital. Okay, enough on that. So motivation. So what makes them do whatever they're going to do, right? Do you, is it what you want them to do? Or is it what you force them to do? So how do we herd cats so that they accidentally do what we want them to do, but it's really purposeful, but they don't know? Slippery slope, right? Because I can start off with the best of intentions of, um, I'm checking my clock. I can start off with the best of intentions of it all being intrinsic. And it just builds up and builds up and builds up and pretty soon I'm threatening, right? And I've lost. I just blew the whole concept. I went to from, I, I'm an extrinsic, I'm slippery, I'm falling down the slope. And, and more than once a day, my kid and I will say, one of us will catch on and we'll say, whoa, we've got to start over. We're going to do over. Call it a mulligan. Call it a start, reset the clock, call it a reboot, whatever you want. Breathe deeply, take a break. We're going to start over. <laughs> and we're going to go back to doing it the right way. There's no such thing as waiting if you want to fix those neural pathways the best way. Early intervention is not only today, it's this minute, okay? And so if I'm, if something's going wrong in this hour and I say, oh, well, screw the day. We're just going to, we're just going to deal with it tomorrow. That's not early intervention. I'm letting the brain go in, the, I'm letting their brains go in the wrong direction and it's going to be double my work tomorrow, right? So the idea of uh, we cannot have guilt for what we didn't do. If, if a family, if a parent, if anybody is saying, man, I should have, could have, would have, well, that's useless energy, right? Because there's no such, you can't do anything about that except just keep, get deeper in the guilt hole. But if you say, okay, early intervention means today. And I would refine that even further to say early intervention means like now. And if I need to stop, whatever it is, everybody, all right, heads down, breathe. Get out your pinwheels, kids. We're going to pinwheel it for a minute or 30 seconds or five seconds or, you know, just breathe, whatever. Reboot the clock. Their brains will be refreshed. You can start over. 
It is a massive teachable moment. It's a massive adult skill to be able to pull your tail feathers out of the fire, out of a spin and say, wow, that went wrong and laugh and make a joke, not be shamed, not be terrified. Just say, oh man, wow, where did that come from? I guess we're gonna, let's just, hey guys, let's start over, okay? What's wrong with that? Okay, so um, some ways that um, our kids' intrinsic wanting can move into areas where they rise above where they think they can, right? So um, in the home, in your classroom, in your Canvas Zoom classroom. I know Canvas and Zoom are different things. I, I get that, but um, we have Canvas for, for us. We're Conroe ISD. So uh, top picture, the, the pair out with the pink dress on, and there's John as a kinder, storybook prey. You guys all know about that, right? That's their, your version of Halloween with the kids. So John's in kinder there, scared to pieces. He's got a pair on making sure he does the right thing. That's his self-contained classroom. Um, as time goes by, little Buzz Lightyear there below them in that picture. Buzz Lightyear doesn't need a pair of, he's still twisting his fingers. You see how he does this? That's how I know my kid's in turmoil on the inside. His outside may be smiling, and his outside might be putting on that pink gun costume, and his outside might be doing something that he wants. But when he's on the basketball court and his fingers are like this, he's like, I'm here. I'm glad I'm here, but for God's sakes, don't pass me the ball because I'm not ready for it. I'm in sensory integration meltdown here. So his fingers are curved. They're long and skinny, and they're still curved because that's what he did to himself from his inner nervousness. That's, his, that's, that's the litmus test for the anxiety that's in his system. He's still doing that to his fingers, but he's proud to be walking through the, the, the storybook parade, and I think that's third or fourth grade. We do a lot of, um, in my blogs, I do, and the Facebook posts, I do a lot of, I try to help other families with ways to just get your kid to a small way, a little thing, not a big old long intervention that takes, you know, three days to read and then four days to try to implement, but just a little shift of the mind, a game we play, trying to get out of the house on time to get to school. I'll say, we're going to play the seatbelt game. First kid to click their seatbelt wins. First person to click their seatbelt wins. And we backward chain so he knows where all the stuff is. And if he's giving me a lot of pushback on trying to get things ready and I'm on the clock, dude, let's go. Come on. I'm late. You think that is going to help anything? Not going to help a thing. But if I go, oh, I'll be in the car. Whoever, I'm going to win. We've now backward changed so that I can just say, Meet you in the car. I'm going to win. Boom, I'm gone. He now realizes what that means. He's got to get his stuff ready. It's laying out mostly, kind of, except some days he shoes me out and I know he wants, and I say, Are you trying to tell me that you want to do it all by yourself? And he goes, Yeah. I go, Oh, okay. Why didn't you just say that? Well, because he can't. 
just say that. They don't, as a child, they don't have the level of sophistication. And as, as kids with learning differences, they, and, and frustrated dendrites, they don't have the expressive language to put all that together, introspection enough to understand, oh, I need to tell them exactly what I'm thinking and then everything's gonna be fine and dandy. No, you get a monkey a thing out, right? And so I tell John, the kids, your peers, your friends, don't want monkey talk, okay? They want sentences. Use your words. And I don't do that in a shaming way, but I do it in a graphic. A graphic. Get your attention. John, do you understand the gravity of what we're talking about? The unintended consequences of you building that neural pathway that I cannot control, you building a neural pathway deeper, stronger, wider, that's going to take you over the cliff, not toward the collaboration and a good adult life. Okay. I'm, I'm very aware of the words I use with John. Um, so... Um, it's it, think about that too. Very powerful tool, tone of voice. I'm teaching him now about. So when you say things, if you're talking to little girls, John, it's gotta be. You gotta be gentle. You might be able to be roughhouse with these older kids, but when you're talking to a little girl, it needs to sound like a song. And when you apologize, it needs to sound like you mean it. Oh, that's not good enough. Try again. Try again. Try. Again. That's how you do it. That's how you do it every time, buddy. Okay. We do that a lot with humor, with a joke. And so he's never, he's not, he, he gets less and less angry. The more I play with him this way and toy with him, we also, the, the less angry he becomes. So that's great. I want him to lighten up. We also have grief and trauma that he's processing. His dad, um, my ex, um, died of, I've been divorced for, for forever, but his, his, their dad died of cancer here just January. So the missing, the longing, the grief and trauma processing. And then we had a foreign exchange student in the house who had to go back prematurely back to Thailand. And that was another loss. And then this COVID loss, no peers to, no bus to go on and, and all, there's a lot of loss for our kids, right? And so they aren't as sophisticated as we are. They don't really have peers with whom they can, you know, cross pollinate and grumble and make jokes and all that. They just get mad at mom or mad at something and stomp off some kind of behavior and they aren't processing what they're really trying to say to themselves. And if we can get them at least, <clears throat> at least to talk about it, and that's what trauma is. And if you're trying to help your kid get through trauma and grief, at least to first base, maybe not as a full professional pro provider would be, but just to first base, if you can somehow get them so that they can talk about their feelings, Draw their feelings, draw play therapy, color, make a song, dance, anything. So they get them out of that cold storage up here. Get that thought, those emotions out. Then what talk therapy tells us, way back to all the talk therapists, all the psychoanalysis, is that when they get it out to the sunshine and they talk about it, then when it goes back in, it goes back in much more orderly, much less chaotic, 
much much less fear and trembling. So they, 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 it's too hard. It's too difficult. I had a kid with my child who's, I couldn't get the transgender piece out of him. And it was, he was cutting. He was, it was really bad. And I finally had to kidnap him in a car. None of the therapy was working. Um, the, the therapist said, wow, that is a really well-defended child. And I said, what do you mean? And um, so the idea there was that, um, uh, I, uh, so I kidnapped him in my own car and I stopped the car and he said, where, where are you stopping? And I said, I'm not going anywhere until you tell me what it is that's so awful that you can't tell me what it is. Eventually it came out and I said, okay, okay um what else and he said uh, no that's that's all and i said why was that so hard to tell me such a deep behavior you're acting 180 degrees different than who you used to. i mean i didn't say all that in my mind and shared with you all so if somebody acts 180 degrees in a different way it's related to some traumatic event or they just went into puberty and they changed their love language. But that's something else. Let's stick to the first part, which is something bad happened and now they're totally un, un understandable. Something bad has happened. Can we get them to talk about it? And I said, why was that so hard to tell me? And my kids said, well, mom, my friends are getting thrown away. And I said, Oh, I am so sorry. You thought I would throw you away. That was what was causing all this behavior. Underneath all of the anger and the bad stuff and the bad stuff and the, the weird behavior at school from a kid that's, that's been um, Girl Scout. And all of a sudden, it's just, you know, like, uh, I don't know, Frankenstein. It's not a girl scout anymore. It's weird stuff. You peel all that off and you get down to the bottom kernel. It was fear. Fear I wouldn't love. Fear I would throw him out. Fear, fear of a lot of things, right? So if we can help our kids understand their fear in a safe place, let their vagus nervous system calm down. And this is not something you do just this quick, right? This is kind of a longer term thing, and I'm sorry about that. But if we can get them so that they can bring out their stuff in a safe place, this is how you also build resilience for them, right? Resilience, all the research says that kids are not born innately with resilience. They grow it like a muscle because they can come to you and you accept them and you help them pick themselves up off the floor and you try it again and you try it again and you try it again and we never do another do-over and we calm that vagus nervous system and i still love you and accept you and believe in you and pretty soon all of that fear worry guilt goo that's been festering is like oh and, and we, we have them, we can even look at what's the worst thing that would happen, right? That's another classic theory of how you work through fear. And I'm not saying classic PTSD. I, I haven't gone that far up. But just 
um, we, uh, uh, we sometimes, when we worry too much and we're overly anxious, all right, face the, face the worst thing that would happen. Okay, have a plan. You got a plan for the worst thing that would happen, okay? Now, it's probably not going to happen. Statistically, that stuff hardly ever happens, but you got a plan. Now, set that aside. Go back to watering your flowers. Go back to don't water the weed. You got to put that weed over there. You're fine. You got a plan for the weed. Leave it there. But flowers. Oh, look at all these flowers. Water those little puppies, okay? Work on the joy. Work on the peace. Work on the uh, in the flow. I need to move off the slide. We're never going to get anywhere. Sorry. We got 12 minutes left. Anyway, this that back to the the story about whoever clicks her seatbelt works. You can't see it maybe on that face there. But that little face is happy, and we turn something that would have been headbutting, angry, a bad day at school, bad start off. We turn it into a joke. And he comes out to the car, and I go, and, and I'll even get that seatbelt almost ready. I'm like, like just nano, nano centimeters away from clicking and winning. But I'll just slow down, slow-mo. And then he'll come in, he'll click, and we go, like, just, I just barely go past him. And I go, oh, man, you won. Big old smile on his face. And we just went from hell to heaven. Okay. Some other examples that toward behavior, right, and toward intrinsic motivation. Do I care if my kid comes in muddy? If he built toward his learning, if he worked toward some independent activities, if he worked toward his sensory integration. I got a washing machine. We can do that. Um, motor planning. See the basketball thing? Massive motor planning. If kids can learn how to motor plan, I'm not going to go in there and rescue, nor am I going to open my big fat mom mouth there and, and tell them what to do or, or make an expression. I'm probably just going to do what I do a lot, which is just uh, remove the audience. I just kind of look over here. And if there's no audience, there's no show. And there's also no shame. He's going to figure it out. And he did. And now he can manage those things. But not if I interfere. So there's a, there's a kind of a fine line on what's an intervention. If he's going the wrong way, and I need, I need to stop that neural pathway, compared to if they're trying Trial and error, what's going to work, this didn't work, let me try something else. So it's almost like you have that neurotypical behavior of the brain trying experimentation, and then you have the stemming. I hope that kind of helps. It's murky, I know. Bottom right-hand corner, that's him out on a pier. That's real water. I'm far away. That's a backward chaining event there where he could have the peace and the and 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 we practiced and we got out there so it was by stages, right? Um, but I didn't cluck after him, I let him go. And he had genuine joy and love, and he never got close to fall to jumping into the water. Um, okay, let's go on and see. Resilience. We talked about that. More information for you. The power of resilience on that slide. 
Um, most important thing, I want to say it again, bottom thing, um, the bottom line, it's not built. You guys help them make it, okay? And this is the science of resilience from that Harvard Business Review uh, article that was the previous slide. Okay, risk taking. All right, so who, how many of the kids that, let's say kids or the tall kids, kids of all sizes in your life, right, um, are frustrated because they have aborted risk taking, right, or they want to try something and they're mad at themselves because they're a scaredy cat, or we have the adult lives of, um, what do they say that, uh, Oh, it's a Walt Whitman poem. I'll think of it here in a minute. Unfulfilled, um, you, you die of old age with so much regret, right? I, the way I want to die is I want to be an old lady in my rocking chair with the fewest number of, of regrets. And so um, if, if I am a lawnmower parent or a lawnmower colleague, I want to stop that. I don't want to be a... Oh, honey, you just wait right there. I'm going to mow this and you walk behind me. There you go. Okay, walk behind me. Everything's going to be fine. You don't have to worry about a thing. Or helicopter, right? That's almost micromanaging. You're coming in and you're just obliterating anybody's free will. Even more so with the bulldozer. And that's a New York Times article there on how the, the, the evils, evils of um, snow plowing where whoever's your collaborating partner of whatever height they are, if they feel like they have no say, if they feel like they're just being told what to do, talked down to, condescended to, well, put, your, put yourself in their shoes. You wouldn't like it, right? And I'm not saying everything is total reciprocity, but if... I looked in the mirror at what I'm causing, many a time, anything that I'm saying or doing will be gas to the fire if I'm making bad choices as, as maybe the adult in the room or maybe the person who should be the adult in the room. Uh, risk taking is a really important tool. Um, if, if, uh, if my kid is frustrated, for some reason, I try to remember, are you trying to say that you want to go and do this on your own? He's not doing what I want him to do. I'm telling him, I'm telling him, I'm telling him, I'm on 47th round. He, there's nothing I'm going to say on round 48 that's going to be any more enlightening to him. He's heard it all. He doesn't need my input. I might just need to say when he wants to renegotiate the list or he wants to add something that I don't want him to add right yet, I've learned, I say, how's that list coming? You can add it to the bottom. Write down there what you want. In fact, we do the list the night previous. So when he wakes up in the morning, especially with all this stuff here at home. I want him to be aware of his own habit choices as soon as possible. Um, there will come a time when I won't be here. And for all of our kids that have developmental delay, 
every parent has got that fear, that kernel of fear underneath there. And that may be one of the reasons that they, they make your life more miserable is that there's that fear of, I got to get my kid caught up. Well, there's no such thing as caught up. We want them moving. We want them moving forward. We want them making progress. That's awesome. But they're going to eventually become the adult that they choose. So when my kid is making really poor choices and my all those other outlets for data, all those other things I've archived, I've told you about, I, I got, there's stories everywhere. But I tell them, I said, John, you're miserable right now because you're choosing to be. And you're making me miserable. No, I try not to say that. But I'll, I'll, I'll reflect it back on me, right? I don't need to say that to him. I'll just say, John, you're choosing your life. The hard way or easy way, you know? So he's... 13, rising 14, and um, maybe that that you have to maybe rearrange that a little bit if you're working with a two-year-old, but you guys are mostly elementary, so they're in kindergarten already, unless you're, you got something at home, but um, try a variation of that to make it more age-appropriate for the kids that you're working with. Uh, moving on, this link hit at National Public Radio um, uh, for over-parenting. And we could say over siblinging, we could say over teaching, we could say over neighboring, we could say any kind of relationship in there is that the more we think we're going to be able to have control over. Um, oh, you might check out my in the session three, the one on building uh, stronger relationships. I talked about that there too. The more we think we have control over, we don't. All right, we're just going to build up our frustration and I'm going to make everybody else around me miserable. Um, far better to let kids learn to taste that natural consequences. All right, and if he stems in front of his friends, I tell them separately. And sometimes even when he overhears, I say, tell John to stop. Say, John, that stemming, go do it in your room, but stop out here. And you, you name it. And then you put a boundary on it. And I tell his peers, it's okay to do that. I tell John, I say, you don't want your friends to run away from you. So it depends on the child. It depends on their developmental. You got to meet them where they are on communication. Um, but they need to own it. And that's their only hope, right? So I just clicked for mindfulness. Can we help our kids be mindful? And then are we also mindful? Because anything I'm talking about here also, there's a big old fat reflection coming back on me, right? Can I be aware? Can I help our kids be aware um, of their thoughts, their feelings? We're talking about sensory integration here. We're talking about vagus nervous system. We're talking about social emotional learning here, self-directed learning. Can we help their thoughts, their feelings, their bodily sensations, and everything around them in their learning environment with acceptance, without making judgment, so they can rise to what they want to be in the present moment and not full of shoulda, coulda, wouldas, or, or stalling, or mad because I didn't yesterday. 
Help them feel empowered to choose now. Write your list for tomorrow, tonight, so that you can get up and you can have the day that you want. There's a guy, I, I'm sorry, I don't have his name written down, but I, I blo- uh, did a podcast on him about five days ago. I heard about him, and his, his clay, one of his best sentences is, um, he said, make it, uh, break, uh, hope this day brings you your best self. Some variation of that. That instead of, ha- hope you have a good day, he said, I hope your day gets the best you as he talks to his kids. So that's the idea here. Forgive me, uh, and I don't remember his name, Eric something. Um, but we hope that our kids, our, day, our kids' day gets the best them. That's where the power is. Okay, so here, this goofy picture of me here. Okay, so if my kids in a, in a repeat mode, if you guys are working with, with kids that have learning differences, you know that repetitive. It's not, it's not echolalia, but they're repeating, and they're repeating. It's almost like um, uh, it's, a, it's a developmental issue of a little, you know how a two-year-old would just go on and on and on and on, but a 13-year-old is supposed to know to say it once and move on, right? Get your answer and move on to something else. So one of the things I started doing with John, especially when we are around other people, so he'll be, he'll be saying something, and I give him an answer, but it's not good enough for some reason, or I'm ignoring him, and he says it over and over, and everybody hears it. Well, I don't want to make this a shameful situation, so finally, I'll turn to him and I say, let's say that um, I want to go out and eat grass. Silly example. I want to eat grass, mom. I want to eat grass, mom. I want to eat grass, mom. And I go, eventually, I turn to him and I say, John, do you want to eat grass? And he goes, yeah. And I go, how? Why didn't you tell me? I mean, he's already told me 17 times, right? Why didn't you tell me? And then he laughs and I laugh and they laugh and we've, we've defused it. Okay, we've taken something that could have ramped up to anger and we just kind of, we stop watering those weeds and we move toward the flowers and we make something a joke, make a joke out of it. If I can model that for him, for them, oh my goodness, down to one minute. I'm so sorry, guys. I guess this may be where we end it. Forgive me. There's more. But um, uh, anyway, that however we can model for our kids that they can use humor for a redirect, the gentle art of gentle confrontation to be able to say, say their boundaries, state their boundaries, be at peace in their own skin, then they will they won't need us to worry about their behavior. It's their job. I say, John, that's your job. That's not my job, okay? Now, back in the classroom, you will have to have your collective behavior, what's approachable, right? What's acceptable. Let me see if I can go into one more slide. So we plank, all right? If I need a physical intervention, man, that plank is awesome. We've come so far on doing chores, Wrapping up the cord, that's motor function, but it's behavior. He's bragging about his vacuuming skills in front of his neurotypical friends when they come over. He plugs the vacuum in, unwinds the cord, plugs it in, vacuums the rug, and, and plugs it back up again. I mean, it winds it back up. Major motor planning. Oh, my gosh. 
major motor function. And if, and if we have to pick hard way, well, we go back to our planking, right? So we got that from Taekwondo. We've talked about the purpose. This is, these are moments we didn't get to, but I wanted to come to this, and I know we're out of time. And forgive me for all the stuff that we could have gotten to, but we didn't. Um, another day, but I'll come to you guys. We can, we can do this again. I wanted to get to positive consequences. I hope it's there. There we go. I, I really, you've seen this before. If you see, if you have seen me earlier today, but we so often talk about negative consequences, but it all fills to the same. It's all a whole child, right? And so, if we can help our kids toward confidence and pride and joy and risk taking and belonging and self-respect and self-control and self-regulation and resilience and poise, self-esteem and understanding really these tricky two things of life, which is natural consequences and unintended consequences. If we can help our kids toward all of that, there is no need behind the behavior that we have to intervene. We're just there to listen and to cheer them on and say, yeah, what are you going to do about that? They don't need my answers. They don't need my good advice. They need my ears and my validation. Ditto for you. Anyway, our time is gone. I'm going to put this up. These, this is the places I've presented for. I love that. Here, there's a podcast. They're free to anybody. There's that if you want it. Um, I'm going to leave that up for a second if you want to screen print it. I'm so happy that you picked this session. Thank you for that. All right. I'm going to unshare. I'm going to go back and see you again. Yay, I get to see you. I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I'm going to do a screen print. If you, there we go. Let's wave. Come on. Make my day here. I'll be a happy woman. There we go. Give me a wave. I'll put this in the Dropbox folder, and you guys can have it if you want. And I think that, um, is there something in the chat? I guess there's three. I'm supposed to check this. Oh, we go. Your grades. I will be glad to stay. I'll be glad to answer questions. Um, there's a lot of content, small pieces, easy to, easy to chew on for your families, for anybody, your colleagues that I put on the website on these different pieces um, because that's how I find my inner peace is to take what I've learned because of my kids, put it someplace so I don't have to keep remembering to tell. I can just say, here you go. There's the link. Thank you for being here. Thank you for what you do for the kids. Um, does anybody have a scenario, a problem you guys want to brainstorm together? We could do that. And you can always reach back out if you want. So thank you. New Caney's lucky to have you guys. And I wish you peace for your day. Thanks for coming. Thank okay. you. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. See you later.
Thank you. Of course. Thank you very much. I enjoy and will apply my class. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Come and join our Aprendamas Differente group sometime. At the website, you'll see it. We've got a lovely team. It's all in different dialects of Espanol. Okay. okay. And I see Ms. Fernandez from my school. That's where I'm taking the course too. Thank you. Yes, of course. Is Jessica still here? You want to talk about your thing, Jessica? You want to unmic it? Ew. <laughs> okay, so what have you tried that hasn't worked? I mean, it's Israel's son, so... Yeah. You know, he's very introverted. Um, just, he'll shut down. So all that thing of making it a game and stuff, he'll just be like, mom, please, you know? But he's very, like, just to talk, it, it, it's, it's very, like, the there's a very small space sometimes where I can get him to talk a little bit about the feelings, but most of the times it's like, here's the wall. And so, and so I see that, I see that, you know, it's, it's hard for him to do the, the things that I ask him to do. It's very stubborn. Mm. So I, I, I saw that you were saying make it like into a game, make it into a sim, but, but again, I try things like that and he'll be like, mom, please. How about when you put, when he goes to bed, is he more chit? Chit, excuse me, chit chatty at night? No. I, okay. I can get him to talk How about? sometimes in, in, like if in the car. Like for, if we're alone in the car, maybe if it's a, a good day, uh -huh. I might be able to get him to talk a little bit. How old is he? 14. 14, yeah. So you got puberty there too. Yes. Um, introvert too. And I think in the Hispanic culture, men are supposed to be so strong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he probably doesn't see too many male role models talking about their feelings. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I'm wondering if there was some way uh, like he would talk into the voice, like on my phone, I've got an app where I could do a voice recorder thing. Mm -hmm. And if it was his phone and he, and he knew you didn't um, poach, you know, if he knew that you didn't come in and look at it and you said, you know what, there's this app and you talk about yourself uh, or you say, I talked to this lady and this is what she does with hers. Is that there's an app on my phone and I can record it and I can keep it private, but I can, it's a talking diary and Maybe diary isn't the word you use with voice, right? I don't know, to a journal. And so instead of writing it, is he may not want to write it. But um, sometimes stream of consciousness is a really, and for boys, right? 14-year-old teenage boys. So if they 
if they can at least say it, even if it's just to their own private phone and goes nowhere else, you want to start, if he can learn to start the habit of just, just somehow getting it out, right? And then that's going to work so well with him in all of his future relationships. Because if he clams, if he continues to clam up and not share, that's going to make marriage hard. That's going to make workplace hard. That's going to be being mm-hmm. a parent harder. And so um, uh, it would be good to start. And I would say do it today. Say, hey, you know what? You know all those times when you have feelings and you don't, and you want to keep them to yourself. And I, I get that, but I, I've started and you say about you, so you're not telling him about him, right? right. He doesn't want to hear you giving him advice, right. but you could say, I got this app on my phone and sometimes I just talk into it when no one's listening, I might keep it, I might delete it, but it makes me feel better. And the psychology behind it, I'm sorry, I'm supposed to look here so you can see me look at it, but but I can't see your face. I I probably can squish the screen up. I bet if I go smaller, I can see you. I can look at you and still, there we go. I can put your your face closer to the microphone. So, so, um, and, and then maybe you say to him, uh, maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll delete it or maybe I'll keep it. But what you want to do is get it out. All right. Yeah. And so what the brain will do is when it comes out in chaos, it kind of, oh, you talk it through yourself. Just saying it, even if it's not to another person, even if this is the psychologist, right? Even if this is the therapist, by saying it, he'll, oh, he'll think about it. And then when it goes back into the, to the long-term memory, it'll go back in in a more logical, uh, less chaotic, less chaotic state. And that's, that's the reason that talk therapy um, which you get, you know, I mean, you could pay somebody a lot of hours, but then you got to get them to and from, and then we have COVID, right? So, right. Um, so, so this may work really well. He already, ha- does he have a phone? Yes. Okay. He's already got all the tools, no extra expense. He'll have already have the privacy, right? But sometimes there's such a power in speaking it and then him having control on whether he shows it to you or not, whether he archives it or not, he could send it to Dropbox and save it. He could take that and make it a bit. He could, and then you could say, hey, you know what? I heard that sometimes um, men will take their, their journals and turn them into a stage play or a script. Now you're trying to trigger his, his, his uh, creative skills, depending on what he likes to do to create. Make yeah, a play. Music. Loves music. Make a song about it. Um, Hamilton, have you ever, has he ever watched? There's more clips to Alexander Hamilton. Okay. The soundtrack is there. Fabulous. Oh, my gosh. And, and, and he had to overcome so many things, and he wrote it. And the, just the brilliance of the, 
the dialogue and it's for it's cool enough music it's hip enough music that the kids go yeah it's got rap and it's got um uh, all these different kinds of music to it i listen to the soundtrack probably a hundred times and there's a lot of youtubes now on alexander hamilton because the movie's coming out so disney's coming out with the movie so they're trying to get people revved back up again about it and they're supposed to be tour touring back to Houston in August. I oh. saw, I went to the stage play down in Houston twice when they came through the first time. I loved it. It's just, it takes your breath away. The, the obstacles and all, and, and this inner dialogue. And this was for, interesting for him to say, he, for him to feel, because you get all kinds of inner dialogue from Hamilton and the other people, all these men, these masculine men that are dancing and singing are sharing all of their feelings in this stage play. Get the soundtrack at the least, $20 at the least, download it. And all of their intimate feelings are coming out. And the guy's a million, I mean, a, a hugely creative, right? Men, men, well, what's his name? Yeah. Manuel Lynn something, something. Yeah, yeah. Manuel Lynn Miranda's. Okay. So tell your kid, hey, you know, I bet he started off with, or Alexander Hamilton started off just trying to get their feelings out. And the next thing you know, he's built a career out of it, right? Built a musical, uh, wrote stories, a uh, collection of short stories. Um, Anything, uh, we have some groups of kids that we're doing. We're trying to work with our sibling group, and he could join us easily. We have some professionals in the film industry, and we're trying to put together a collection of short videos that the kids have written, individual families of kids or groups of kids have written, um, and then we'll help them get videoed and then put them in a, in a compilation and then film festival, try it, try it kind of a thing. But it would be all from the kids' points of view, 10 little short versions. So he could help write one of those. That what is it from his heart of hearts to get it out? If it gets out, that makes such a big difference, okay? Um, there's some other ideas, but um, why don't you try that one? And, and, and just really, and, and let me know if there's any other, I mean, we can keep brainstorming, you know. Um, I think that appealing to his sense of manhood, um, he has to get past the fact that in Hispanic culture, it's just not what men do. And he has to overcome his, uh, uh, in his uh, introversion. But, but, but this, the inter uh, the inner feelings, the, uh, the inner thoughts that get said out loud, and Hamilton will blow your brains out. And mm -hmm. it's hugely famous, and there's just no way that kids cannot admire that. Okay. And you could say, hey, look at this. Not only is Hamilton, what did Hamilton do, but look at all the people that in his era and then look at all the people that are doing now the modern day version of that 
and it's such a diverse group of people that might satisfy some concerns he would have on the inside that 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 nobody loves me or cares about me or I'm one leg down in the world or right. you know um, I'm never going to be respected for who I really am because that whole cast is so diverse. They got you know they got ladies playing men. They've got. Uh, all different colored skins playing all kinds of other people. It's brilliant. Appreciate it. Okay. And I would give that a good try. And then not too much, just kind of leave a little bit of, you know, a little bit one day. And then the next day you go, Hey, I was thinking about something else. You know, Hamilton was a lot like that. Did you ever you ever heard the soundtrack? I'm going to order it from me and we can share it or download it. I think if you buy it for $20 at Amazon, you can download the sound, the, 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 the MP4 files for free. Okay. So he would have that. He also could record from your CDs, but, but it's kind of nice for him to have his own cache of, of songs, you know, because he really is at the stage now of, the, the second reason that he could be a very different kid is his love languages are about to change. Mm -hmm. If you read love languages of children, this age 14 and my kid's 14 too, right? So whatever it was is going to be a 180 degrees different love language because the brain is wired to push away from that, to push away from you, to get independence, to grow into a man, to not be mama's little boy anymore. And he's going to have the, the, all the testosterone coming. And he's going to have all those other feelings, the girl feelings, and all the everything else that's going to be just whacking him out, right? Plus, he doesn't have the colleague, the, the, the kids, like we normally would. Right. Right? And so... That's going to drive him too. So he's going to be changing his love language, uh, and he's going to be uh, trying to trying to become that man that he knows he needs to be. But at the same time, scary, scary, right? So a little bit at a time, and then you could say, "Hey, did you ever, you know?" And you could ask a little bit, but not the hovering, not the snowplow, not the lawnmower, not the helicopter. It's just got to be a little bit of, you know, interested conversation, like a easy, easy going. Because okay. we come in like, you know, us mom teachers, man, we're going to change the world, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, and our kids show us that. <laughs> Not yeah. right. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'll try that. That that sounds really good. I think that he'll do. He'll go for that. And then let me know how it goes. All right. You know, and and we can always come up with other ideas. The world's filled with other ideas to try, but that's just the one that really leaped out at me as far as being really vibrant for him with his strengths and his age and his. Um, I mean, those those characters are so the, the the people, the actors who play the characters are so proud of their descent, their a lineage mm -hmm. of where they had come from, you know, um, and that might be a, another thing. It's 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 just a lot of if kids listen to news, 
they hear so much of the ranting and raving and so much of the negativity and so much of the them versus us. And, you know, it's just so hard for a kid when you're trying to grow up with a good heart and loving acceptance of everybody to hear sometimes the, the really wretched things that the, that other people will say. Yeah. They have to be able to swim through that somehow or, or minimize it, right? So I just don't let my kid listen to much news. I try not to because it turn, it just turns, it turns the wrong way way too fast. And the weeds are growing everywhere. It's like, wait a minute, what happened to all those flowers we had? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So. All right. Well, thank you so much. Yes, of course. All right. Peace be, be with us. Okay. okay. Bye-bye.